Oh, nice and full today. That's always exciting. Um, right then. So um, our theme, um, you may not be surprised to hear, uh, in February is fasting and prayer. So that's what we're going to be talking about during February um, as we run up to our um, prayer day on the 24th that Ruth was just telling us about. Um, so this morning I just thought I would give you a little introduction and then the speakers who come after me during the year, during the month, will maybe um, focus in on particular aspects of it. So I want to start by reading a little bit from Acts chapter 13 and um, we'll take it from there. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, now as we read through the Gospels, we see how at key moments Jesus fasted and prayed, such as prior to being tempted by the devil when he went into the wilderness. And in the same way, after Jesus had left them, the disciples also fasted and prayed, particularly when they had important decisions to make. So in this passage, we see how the church at Antioch waited upon the Lord through worship and fasting. And it was at this moment that the Holy Spirit commissioned Barnabas and Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, to begin their missionary journeys. It all started at that prayer meeting. Now, the Greek word for fasting literally means not eating. And as humans, we can go some time without eating food. Um, we wouldn't last long if we stopped drinking. So when we talk about fasting, we're usually meaning going for a period without food. And you may find it hard to believe, but there are actually some health benefits to not eating. Um, we can lose weight, for example, which isn't a bad thing. And the body has a chance to cleanse itself, which is also good. And people who fast, they often report that after the initial hunger pangs have gone, which don't last long, they feel a boost in their energy and a feeling almost of elation. So fasting, it doesn't have to be seen as a very sort of negative and miserable thing to do. It's actually something you can look forward to doing. And spiritually, there are also benefits. It's true to say that when we become hungry for food, we become more hungry for God. Um, fasting enables us to focus on the Lord and to get in tune with him more. 
It's a time when we're more likely to hear from him, when he will take advantage of our attention to work in our lives. And this is what happened at this meeting in Antioch. The disciples heard clearly from the Lord and they took an immensely important decision to commission Barnabas and Saul to go out into the world to preach. You could almost argue that if they hadn't been fasting and praying and worshipping that day, much of the New Testament may not have been written, if you think about it, where it all headed. So we are, as Ruth has been saying, encouraging you to try fasting in February. Now this doesn't mean that we want you to go the whole month without food, you'll be pleased to hear, Um, and you will know what works for you. So we don't have to be legalistic about it. And there may be very good health reasons why you shouldn't fast at all, which is fine. But if you feel you can, then just try going for a period of time without eating and combine it with some Bible study and prayer and some worship and thanksgiving and just see what happens. You'll be surprised. And in particular, if you feel that you can fast for our 12 hours of prayer day on Saturday the 24th of February, then that would be brilliant as well. Um, If everybody comes together, having fasted and prayed, to do more praying, I think God will really move on that day. In Jesus' time, the Jews had one official fast under Mosaic law, and that was the Day of Atonement when they were forgiven of their sins. And then following their return from exile in Babylon after 70 years, they also instituted additional fasts in the 4th, 5th, 7th and 10th months. And this is referred to in Zechariah. We can read about this in Zechariah chapter 8 where it says, The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The fasts of the 4th, 5th, 7th and 10th months will become joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for Judah. Therefore, love, truth and peace. The Jews associated fasting with mourning. And indeed, when Jesus was questioned about why his disciples didn't fast when John the Baptist's disciples did. He said that there was no point in fasting when the bridegroom was still with you because that was a time to celebrate. After he had gone would be a time for fasting. And Jesus also made the point on the Sermon on the Mount that people shouldn't draw attention to themselves when fasting. And so we read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, Jesus saying, When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, 
but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, putting oil on your head and washing your face at that time was seen as a sign of joy rather than as a sign of mourning. When they were mourning, they tended to put ashes on their heads, um, so it was fairly obvious that they were miserable. Um, But Jesus said, no, don't do that. Um, It's a very personal thing. Interestingly, Paul in his letters doesn't really talk about fasting. At that time, there were no set times when Christians were supposed to fast. Later in church history, when Lent was introduced, a period of fasting was encouraged in preparation for Easter, but that came much later. So so if you look through all the letters and everything that Paul wrote, he doesn't really refer to fasting at all, which is quite interesting. It's not a big thing um, from his point of view, uh, even though it was going on. So we really have freedom to fast entirely as it seems right to us. And it would be good to pray about it, And if you feel it is right, then by all means do fast for our 12 hours of prayer on the 24th. Now prayer is a slightly different matter. Paul had a lot to say about prayer. So if fasting is a way that the Holy Spirit can communicate with us, then prayer is the way that we can communicate with God. And there's really no shortage of advice on how to pray. Um, I didn't do it, but if you put prayer in Google, I imagine there will be millions and millions of um, results. People pray in ways that they find comfortable and they use words that they feel are appropriate. Again, we can't be legalistic about prayer. Jesus also gave some advice um, just before his advice about fasting and again we can see this in chapter 6 of the book of Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus said when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly I tell you they have received their reward in full but when you pray Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you very similar advice to what Jesus said about fasting. And it's good to be reminded... um, Have I finished that? Did I read that all the way through? Did I I go to verse 8? No. Where did I stop? I stopped at verse 7. Okay. So I'm going to keep going now. Oh, yes, there is a bit more. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So it's not about how many words we use. It's about thinking about what we want to say. I think it's good to be reminded, as Jesus does there, that God knows what we need even before we ask him. It's not like it's coming as a surprise 
um, at all. Um, he just wants to know if we're going to pray about it, really. So finding some quiet time to be with God, it's important. But no one can tell you when you must pray or what you must pray or how you must pray. There are some good ideas out there, but again, it's very much up to us how we go about it. Now, some people like to pray using scripture as, as a guide or quoting scripture, reinforcing what God has said, and that's absolutely fine. Some people say it's better to focus on the solution when we're praying rather than the problem, because God knows what the problem is, so we can moan on about the problem, but if we start trying to think what the solution might be, that can be a positive thing. Um, some people say, um, and I think they're quite right, that it's important to thank God for his blessings when we pray, and also, um, you know, rather than just constantly asking him for things. Um, it, it's a relationship. Um, he's, not a, he's not a sort of... Um, um, vending machine, thank you. That wasn't what I was trying to think of, but it's fine. The thing you get your money out from the bank, what's that called? He's not a cash point or a vending machine. Um, so yes, you know, it should be more than that. Um, others say, and again, I think they're quite right, it's important to come humbly before God in repentance, seeking forgiveness. So prayer is a many-faceted thing. There's not just one, one way of praying. And of course, we have the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus went on to give the people um, after that quote I just gave you um, as well. So all these things have their place, and each of us can work out, work out really what is right for us at any given time. Now, what we do know is that God is available at any time of day or night. He doesn't shut up shop, and he doesn't put you on hold. He's given us the right to become the children of God through our faith in Jesus. And so, like children, we can approach him, our loving Heavenly Father, knowing that it pleases him to see us. He's never um, thinking, oh no, not them again. He doesn't, he's not like that. He loves us and he's delighted when we take the trouble to pray to him. In fact, he's looking forward to it. So God isn't like some despot where presuming to enter into his presence without his permission means instant death, as happened um, in the old days. And you might recall how Esther took her life in her hands when she approached her husband the king in his throne room because this would be seen as presumptuous but he extended his scepter to her um, that's the sort of one thing that they have to show her that she was accepted and for her to know that she could ask him whatever she wished and in fact we find this passage in the book of Esther chapter 5 where it says on the third day Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance and when he saw Queen Esther 
standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. Now there's nothing too little that God is, in, is not interested in. And there's nothing too complicated that he doesn't understand immediately. Sometimes I think we feel, oh, I, I can't really bother God with that, or we don't think to bother him with that, when actually he would love us to bother him with that. And sometimes things just get so complicated, we kind of get all tangled up. But God can sort it out for us, because that's what he's like. Sometimes feel threatened by prayer, as though you can do it wrong and you'll be condemned for it, which is nonsense. The only creature who condemns prayer is the devil. And he would much rather that we weren't praying. And it's when we're not praying that he can put his evil thoughts and doubts into our minds. Because if our minds are full of prayer, there's no room for him to get in. If you remember what Jesus said to Peter, James and John in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he was taken, in Matthew 26 verse 41, he said, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So a regular pattern of prayer is not only uplifting and spiritually fulfilling, but it also keeps us safe from the devil's schemes. That's so a good thing to do. Now, I've tried to emphasise today, really, that there are no rules about fasting and prayer. They are good things to be encouraged, but how much we do, when we do them, and how we do them is really entirely up to us. God will guide us and show us what is right for us if we involve him. And we are hoping that the 12 hours of prayer day, um, when is it, by the way? Saturday the 24th of February, starting at 6 o'clock in the morning and going on till 6 o'clock in the evening. We're hoping that that's going to be a wonderful expression of our community as we come together in prayer. I believe on that day we will be blessed individually and blessed as a fellowship. So please do think about signing up for just one hour would be brilliant. If you can do more, that would be even better. And we'll look forward to that day. Okay, let's just close our eyes and let's reflect upon that. Lord, I thank you that you have enabled us to pray. I thank you, Lord, that... Your Holy Spirit inspires us. I thank you, Lord, that we have this relationship with you that is such a special relationship. Help us, Lord, to take the opportunities that you give us to spend time with you in our busy lives. And Lord, if we haven't done so before, maybe we can consider fasting and help us to get into that and show us how we can do that as well. 
Lord, we just want to commit to you this day on February the 24th when we're going to come together as a church. Lord, we're going to dedicate that day to you as we worship and pray and fast. And we want to hear from you on that day. So, Lord, prepare our hearts and help us. In Jesus' name, amen.